0: Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Sunday, November the 20th, 2022. On today's podcast, we are going to review Kentucky's 16-6 loss to the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs on Saturday at Kroger Field. We're also going to talk about Mark Stoops' new contract. John Hale of the Herald Leader broke the news this morning that Mark signed a new contract extension with a raise before the Vanderbilt game. The thing was, the contract has not been officially released by UK. It's not been publicly announced, but it is uh, It is official that Mark Stoops signed a new contract, which takes him through the 2030 season. Uh, he also gets a significant raise. They've Change some of the incentives uh, in Mark's contract. So we'll talk about that as well. We're going to talk about it with my friend and colleague and fellow Herald Leader sports columnist Mark Story. Uh, we're going to talk about both the Georgia game and Mark's contract. Before we get to that, I want to remind you that you can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Send me an email, jclay at herald leader.com. Check out all of the subscription offers to Kentucky.com by going to Kentucky.com, hitting on the subscription tab. Uh, you'll find all the offers for both the print edition of the Herald Leader and the digital edition of Kentucky.com. We appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, let's get right to it. My conversation with Mark Story as we talk Kentucky football, both the Georgia game and the Mark Stoops contract. Okay, back here with my guest, Mark Story, friend, colleague, fellow Herald Leader sports columnist. How's it going, Mark? It's going good, John. Uh, Kentucky, Georgia, yesterday, we're going to talk about the game, but we're going to also talk about the breaking news this morning about Mark's contract. First, the game, 16-6, to Kentucky a 22-point underdog, so they made a better showing than that, but they didn't win the game. Your thoughts?
1: Well, I mean, I thought they – well, I think if they had played with the fervor and energy against Vanderbilt in South Carolina that they played with yesterday, the season would have taken a different turn. You know, I thought they played hard. I thought they played with energy. You know, I thought they put up a fight. You know, they didn't give up. They, you know, the, I thought the defense especially, you know, was kind of exemplified the positive aspects of a bend-but-don't-break defense. I thought all those were positives. And I even thought the offense, you know, they drove it into Georgia territory four times, and Georgia's defense is arguably the best in the country. So you know, that was something. But, you know, it was – kind of the same old, same old. Otherwise, they didn't finish drives. You know, they only scored one touchdown. You know, they've had a big special teams mess up that hurt them yet again. Um, you know, I, you know, it's just been a frustrating season in a lot of ways. And, you know, the offense just hasn't been very good, to be honest. And they can't seem to get their special teams fixed. And, you know, it's, it's cost them a year when they had a defense good enough probably to win 10 games
0: yeah okay well, let's talk about the offenses we've talked about here multiple times i mean it's not a secret kentucky's offense has struggled all year under first year coordinator rich gangarello as you mentioned some of the same things that had hurt them all year hurt them again yesterday inability to score when they get the ball uh in the other team's territory inability to finish drives you wrote about you talked to uh, the way it's set up for people inside baseball here the way it's set up after the game we go into the uk's dining room where they bring in players and coaches for us to interview they Put him on opposite sides of the room. I was on one side of the room. You were on the other side of the room. You were on the room, the, other, the side where Rich Gangarello, the offensive coordinator, came in to do his interviews, and you wrote about that. What, what did you gather from talking
1: to Rich? Well, I'm going to probably say I don't know Rich Stangarello, so I have no idea, you know, just how to read, that kind of thing. But to me, he didn't talk like a guy who thinks he's, you know, one week from losing his job, which fascinated me a little bit. You know, he talked a lot about, you know, young talent in the program and how excited he is about, you know, the two wide receivers, Dane Key and Varianne Brown, the two tight ends, Jordan Dingle and Josh Caddis, who are all freshmen, you know, that kind of thing and uh, it it just i just thought it was interesting you you know i I have no idea how aware he is of what's swirling around in terms of just the fan base and that kind of thing but you know he uh, my read on him was he wasn't a guy that has been told he's out
0: but did he sound like a guy who was lobbying to stay
1: well that's you might could take it that way um i mean he he talked about how bad he felt about the way the, the the Season had gone, and, you know. He came here to help Mark Stoops do something special, and you know, envisioned them scoring a whole lot of points, and that obviously hadn't happened. And you know, I, I think you, you know, again, I don't know him, so and you know, it's his first year, so I don't have much experience with him, so I I'm, I'm, I i do not necessarily know how to read some of that, but you know, again, my, just my impression was he didn't sound like a guy who thought he was one and done.
0: If you're Mark Stoops, what are the pros and cons of keeping or getting rid of Rich Gangarello?
1: Well, obviously, the, the, the pro is stability. I mean, you've already, this is your third offensive coordinator in three years. You're on your fourth offensive line coach in three years. You know, at some point, you've got to stop you know all this churn, and and obviously some of this was you know beyond Kentucky's control. You know Liam Cohen, you know one year. You know I think they I think I don't think they hired him thinking it would be a one year thing. And obviously you know what happened with John Schlarman was you know beyond anybody's uh, uh you know ability to, to control or foresee. And and then obviously Eric Welford leaving after one year, I think that surprised Mark Stooks. Right. Um, so, so the. Stability is, you know, sort of a created by circumstances, but it's not. That's less than ideal. But the other side of that is, you know, I don't know that stability is any great benefit if what you're doing isn't working. And I think there's a pretty, pretty good body of work from this season that, you know, what they've done hasn't worked very well. You know, against, uh, well, against in the eight SEC games, you know, they've averaged 306 yards a game 17 and a half points a game and if you take out mississippi state when they gain you know when they gain like 478 yards they've only averaged 281.9 yards a game right and it's just it's just it just hadn't worked and you know i you know i'm not a fire the coach kind of guy i actually my natural inclination is for stability but I just – I don't know. I have a hard time seeing how you can not make a move given the given the performance.
0: What you know, One thing that we don't know, you have to be inside the building to know, is his relationship with the players. I mean, Levis was obviously frustrated after the Vanderbilt game, made some comments that made you wonder about the relationship. But, you know, they had a frustrating game against Vanderbilt. They had a frustrating stretch of games for Will where he didn't even close – Throw for two hundred yards, and then you had the comment by DeKal Crowdis during the week about the red zone. When asked about the red zone problems, he said it was the play calling. I think some of some of that was kind of blown blown out of proportion. But you know, you, we don't know what that relationship is, and I think one of that thing figures into my next subject, which is Barry and Brown. Barry and Brown had a great game yesterday. Ten catches, one hundred forty five yards, a touchdown. He, he made you know explosive play after explosive play. There's a lot of concern about, you know, are they going to be able to keep Barryon Brown in this in this uh, era of the transfer portal and NIL? I think some of that some of that with the transfer portal comes down to relationships between players and coaches, and we don't know what the relationship is exactly between Barryon and uh, Rich Gangarello, or with the uh, wide receivers coach, Scott Woodward, or Mark Stoops. Uh, I mean, or is it just in this era, it's all about the money? They're going to go wherever the money is or wherever the top programs are?
1: Yeah, those are good questions. And we are fairly new into this uh, into this era with the way things presently are. So I don't know that, you know, we're all just speculating on something we've really never seen in action. Right. You know, I have been interested that the two programs that at least were perceived to have been the most active in terms of using their uh, booster collectives and acquiring talent, Texas A&M and Miami are both tanked. Right. That's true. I think that's interesting. You know, so, you know, the idea that just because you have the most money necessarily means you're going to have the best team. And, you know, as a as a Dodger fan, I can tell you that a team that spends a lot of money doesn't win the championship every year. <laughs>
0: I can remember this is years ago when Mitch Barnard and Greg Byrne was his assistant athletic director arrived here. USA Today had a study that showed that the athletic depart that spending a lot of money in the athletic department, did not correlate directly into winning. That there was not a direct correlation. I wrote a column about that, and I got a call from Greg Byrne. It was a friendly call, but it was <laughs> he wanted to get his point across that that was not true. He claimed that that wasn't true, uh, and he. Pointed out flaws in the in the USA Today study. Of course, at the time, Greg was in charge of raising money for UK. But uh, yeah, that doesn't always work out uh, on the on that side of it. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see over the next few years about. It's going to be a lot of things interesting to see about NALI. I have the question about these businesses who are spending money. Like, if you're at Texas A&M and you're a booster or you're a business and you spend money. Are you going to look at it after this year or next year or the year after, and think is this really a good investment? So uh, we'll see how that, that plays out as well. You know, I wrote last week, I, I, would, I know I am in the vast majority I'm um, vast minority, I mean, that I would keep rich for stability stake, uh, but um, I, I don't ex- let's put it this way, I don't expect him to be back next year. So that brings me to the next question. If you're Mark Stoops, and he sort of alluded to this last Monday, do you keep this scheme? If you do, you just make a change in the play caller, but you keep the NFL type scheme, or do you go in a whole new direction?
1: Well, I think in the broadest, you know, I think the original idea in trying to get into the, kind of the Sean McVay system was something that you know emphasized a good, a strong, was built off a strong running game and made use of tight ends because that was, as I understood it, you know, Stoops felt like that's what Kentucky could successfully recruit. So in the broad philosophical plane, I'm okay with that, but I do think that you're going to you need coaches who are more attuned to college football and more attuned to how college defenses play. But I also think they're going to have to incorporate some quarterback run game. I think you have to run the quarterback in college football, at least some. And I, you know, whether it was by design or because of the, the turf toe to Will Levis, I think the absence of his running has really hurt Kentucky this year.
0: And the odd thing to me about that is when last year when they hired – uh, Zach Yenser as the offensive line coach who was assistant offensive line coach with the 49ers. I was told by someone who would know that one of the reasons they liked Yenser was not only his John Schlarman background, was, b- but because the 49ers, because when they hi- when they drafted Trey Lance so high last year, the quarterback, who was uh, more athletic, who could also run the ball, that there were a lot of things the 49ers had, had planned to incorporate into their offense last season, but they decided early on that Lance wasn't ready. They were going to play Jimmy Garoppolo instead. And Yencher could bring those ideas from the 49ers. And then lo and behold, when Cohen leaves, they hire uh, Rich Gangarello, the 49ers quarterback's coach. So I I even asked Rich about this in the spring. And he said, oh yeah, that opens up a lot of possibilities when you have a mobile quarterback, a quarterback who can run. But that once the season began, it was like, even to me, even before the injury, Rich made it clear that he did not want uh, Levis to run the ball. And One of the things, one of the guys that I really like who studies the NFL, Greg Cosell, and Cosell says from NFL Films, you can tell it's it's pretty easy to see what your coaches think of your players by how they use them. And Scangarello did not want Levis to run because he didn't call any running plays for him. He called very few for him, and I agree 100. percent I think taking that out of the offense has really hurt him. The zone read is hard. The zone read is not that hard to defend when the quarterback always hands the ball off to the running backs. So I think that's when the quarterback never keeps it. So yeah, I agree. I think that's really hurt him this year.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I was not clear whether it was a philosophical preference that you just wanted the quarterback in the pocket or whether it was a lack of confidence in their backups and yeah, they were true. afraid that they were afraid that they would get him hurt if they let him run. But by having him stand in there behind what turned out to be a not very strong pass protection, you know, he's what they've given up 40 sacks. And I think six came in the right. game. He was out. So he's been sacked 34 times. Right. I mean, right. It's been kind of a Tim couch expansion Cleveland uh, situation for Levis in terms of the amount of punishment he's taken this year.
0: And I think really yesterday was the first game against the Georgia defense, as you mentioned, might be the best defense in the country, where they schemed around and was able to protect him and use things that could keep him from getting sacked. He was only sacked once yesterday, where he's been aware, like you say, Kentucky quarterbacks have been sacked 39 times through the uh, what, 10 games leading up to yesterday. Uh, a quick word about the defense. I thought the defense was outstanding. They did everything they could do yesterday. I was really impressed by those uh, the goal line stand on the, on the one-yard line and a couple of other short yardage stops. Uh, I mean, I, think, uh, I thought Brad White and the whole defense did a great job yesterday.
1: You know, I thought the defense played well. I thought the open field tackling was really good. I thought Zion Childress, the transfer safety, made some just really nice open field tackles. And it was interesting he was they brought him in after the game, and I asked him about that, and he said actually, coming into this year, open field tackling had been one of his weaknesses, really? it was something he had really concentrated on and tried to improve and Based on what we saw yesterday, uh, he, he has done that. You know, if everybody stays, they're going to be tremendous next year in safety because you're, you've got the guys that are playing. Like you're going to lose Terrell Asian, but you know, you've got you know, Jordan Lovett and you know, Zion Childress, and you're bringing back, you know, Jalen Geiger and Vito Tisdale.
0: Right. Right. No, yeah. Yeah, they got they got a lot of really good young players on defense and uh, probably had to use some of them sooner than they wanted to because of injuries and so forth. But, yeah, I think the future is, is bright for that side of the ball just if they can get the other side of the ball figured out. So uh, when we come back, I want to talk about uh, Mark Stoop the news this morning about Mark Stoops' new contract. We'll be right back to talk about that with Mark's story. Okay, back here with Mark's story. Uh, Mark, this morning, our uh, colleague, John Hale, at the Herald Leader in com broke the news that Mark Stoops signed a new contract extension with a hefty raise. Uh, they... Can- changed some of the incentives in his contract uh, that will take him through the 2030 season. The other interesting thing about it is that uh, the contract was signed bef- the day before the Vanderbilt game, uh, but it has not been publicly released as of yet. It's official. It's been signed by all parties involved. It's on the UK Contracts website, but they haven't made an official announcement. What do you make of that, Mark's story?
1: I think it's very odd. I don't know why you would not announce it. I don't know why they didn't announce it the Friday before the Vanderbilt right. game. If that's totally when it was signed, I mean, I guess I sort of understand once that happened why they didn't want, it, but they still should have announced it by not doing it. It just creates, you know, kind of a weird dynamic around it. I mean, if they thought he merited, you know, this extension, and you know that one horrible loss doesn't change that,
0: right? Right, yeah. It, to me, too, and that we've seen do this in the past, Yeah, you know, they could have come out after the Vanderbilt game and said, yeah, this was a horrible loss, but we still believe in Mark Stoops. And to show you we believed in Mark Stoops, we just signed him to a new contract extension. But I guess they didn't want it. it I mean, it sure looks like they didn't want to take the PR flack. They didn't want to take the pushback from the fans after that loss because of that. Because of that. I mean, I don't see any other way to look at it.
1: Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, there may be a reason, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm willing to hear it. But from the front end, I don't. It doesn't make much sense to me the way that was handled. No. Other than what you said, they just didn't. Once the Vanderbilt loss went down, they didn't want to, you know, just. I guess they just didn't want to inflame people who were upset already upset.
0: Unless they thought, you know, okay, well, maybe they'll upset Georgia. We'll wait till Georgia, or maybe we'll wait till they'll beat Louisville. We'll wait till Louisville, but you know, these things get out. They always seem to get out. So I don't, uh, I don't see the, I don't understand the reasoning. What about the contract itself? I mean, $9 million will be, end up being his base salary, uh, which sounds like a lot of money, but considering the way coaches' salaries are going these days, you know, in a couple of years, that might be, might sound like a bargain. Who knows? What about giving Mark a new contract?
1: I'm fine with that I mean I think he's done a really good job now I do think this has been a bad year I mean for what they were expecting and I don't I think there have been some areas that the coaching has been questionable and I think Mark you know needs to be aware be aware of those things and they're going to need to be addressed now having said in the big picture I think he's done a really good job at Kentucky and I'm okay with UK locking him in but I do think he has to be aware that you know when you're a top ten paid coach, which he may or may not be by the time this this contract kicks in, but right now it appears he would be among the ten highest paid coaches in the country. That you know that brings a certain level of expectation, and you know, I don't know that they handled a year when they got a lot of preseason respect and expectations got pretty high. I don't know that they handled that especially well. Right?
0: How do you see uh, Kentucky? How do you see this week going into the Louisville game?
1: Well, I think they. But, you know, I think they will draw some confidence from the way they played against Georgia. So in that sense, you know, I think they're not in a horrible spot for a team that has what lost five out of seven. Right. Um, you know, I think Louisville has what won five out of six and right. is sort of trended in the opposite direction of Kentucky. And obviously Kentucky has you know pretty well embarrassed them the last three times they've been on the field together. So I'm sure Louisville will be super motivated. The other thing that interests me about that is about this game is Louisville is leading the country now in quarterback sacks and Kentucky has struggled against, you know, stunts and, you know, pass rushes all year. So, you know, it's I uh, I don't know that on paper, that's a necessarily a, a a great matchup or setup for UK...
0: Yeah, the interesting thing to me, I mean, everybody thought, okay, this was a do-or-die year for Satterfield when they lost it, for Scott Satterfield, the Louisville coach, when they lost to Boston College 34-33 back in, I think early, it was early October, but I thought, okay, he's gone, and there were a lot of talk they'd be fired after the Virginia game, then they beat Virginia, but if you look at their stats, I mean, the big turnaround's been on the defensive side of the ball, uh, you know, they are much better defensively than they were a year ago, the past two years, uh, much better against the run, much better much better overall to me that to me it looks like statistically that's kind of fueled this turnaround
1: for Louisville yeah i don't think there's any question that the, their defense is taking a big step up and you know you look at the uh, the, the the thing that has been the, the thread in kentucky's three blowout wins and they've won the last three games i think by a combined 153 to 44 and in, in those three games i think kentucky's had 17 touchdown runs and on ten of those 17 touchdown runs, the UK ball carrier entered the end zone without ever being touched by a defender. Wow. And not all those were short runs, some of them were long runs. And Kentucky has just completely dominated little at the line of scrimmage. Well, you know, that's not who UK is this year. So right. it'll be interesting if they can find another way to win this game.
0: Right, and we don't know the status of Malik Cunningham, the Louisville quarterback who missed the game Saturday with a shoulder injury. But the Louisville's proved they can win without him. They beat for they won at Virginia without him, and they beat a North Carolina State team yesterday that was ranked number twenty-four in the country in the college football playoff rankings. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, I would say they would prefer to have Cunningham, but they've shown mainly because of their defense that they can win without
1: him. Yeah, I mean that Virginia win, arguably the biggest win of the season. To me, that. To, to put that in a UK perspective, that was sort of the Rich Brooks year when they went and beat Mississippi State when everybody thought you know, Rich was on the way out yeah. and sort of that game sort of turned it around and that's what that Virginia win did. And they they went they won that game with the backup quarterback.
0: Yeah. Uh as you mentioned Kentucky they should have gained some confidence and, you know, be in a better mood uh after the way they played. but of course they they didn't win the game. But what what's the difference between how big a how big a boost is it to give, beat Louisville and finish seven and five, even though it's a disappointing season, than to lose to Louisville and end up six and six in your regular season and pretty much uh, kind of moping your way into a bowl game? To me, it's a big I'd- difference.
1: No, I agree. I mean, I I think just based off the expectations before the season, this is a disappointing season. No matter what happens, but it's not nearly as disappointing if you're able to beat your arch rival and go out on a go out on a high note, and especially if you could then go win a ball game. I mean, it's still disappointing, but there are degrees, and it would right. be a lot more palatable. It, it it would be a whole lot better and a whole lot less disappointing if you win this week.
0: Yeah, and it, it would give you some momentum going into next year. If you could finish out with a, you know, a, a very representative uh, performance against the number one team in the country in Georgia, and then to beat your arch rival, as you mentioned and win a bowl game, at least you'd be eight and five. Uh, you know, and have, have a little bit of momentum anyway going into the off offseason. Uh, well, Mark, we got the game on Saturday. It's Thanksgiving week. Uh, we'll have Mark Stoops press conference. But even though it's Thanksgiving week, we'll have plenty of coverage uh, throughout the week uh, leading up to and after the game. Uh, be sure and look for Mark's matchups and predictions that he does every week. Uh, Mark, uh, remind
1: him how to follow you on Twitter. Well, assuming Twitter is still up, then I am still on it, and it's, I'm That's at right. Mark C Story. That's at Mark C Story.
0: That's right. We never know. We never know. I, I fully expect if it does go down, it'll go down right in the middle of a game while we're uh, while we're tweeting or something like that. But uh, you know, it, 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 to me, it, it's not the and I wrote this too. But it's not the matchup that we expected. But I think it's a very intriguing and very interesting uh, Governor's Cup game on Saturday. So look for all of Mark's coverage during the week and leading up to uh, during and after the game. Thanks, as always, for being on the podcast, Mark, and happy Thanksgiving.
1: Same to you, John.
0: Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. Thanks, as always, to Mark Story for being on the podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Thanks to everybody for listening and supporting the podcast. Leave us a rating and review wherever you find our podcast. Kentucky, Louisville, 3 o'clock on Saturday on the SEC Network. Uh, be sure and check out all of our coverage leading up to during and after the game. Thanks to everybody for listening. Everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.